Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Money Bear Podcast. This is your host, Chloe Daniels, better known as Clover Money Coach on the internet. And this is our quick tip episode. And in my quick tip episodes, I usually give you guys a little life update. And then we also give you a quick money tip that you can start implementing in your life. So I hope you guys don't hear the snoring of my dogs in the background. There's like the soothing sound of not one, but two dogs in my room right now. Uh, We are still in cramped living quarters until I head out to San Diego, which is in May. So I'm recording this at literally February 27th. So we are just two months away from heading out to San Diego. And the plan right now is to stay out there for three months. And I'm really excited. We've actually got a really nice place that's in the Golden Hill neighborhood. And it's a huge apartment that we got for just under $3,000 a month. It's so funny. That feels like a good deal when it's literally double what my rent was in Chicago. And I would say it's probably about the same amount of space, probably about like a thousand square feet. But I'm excited because it's like, it's a California craftsman and it's got all this beautiful built-in wood paneling, not wood paneling, but like built-ins and things along those lines. Plus it's got like a dining room, which will be a great office space for me while I'm out there. So yeah, we will see in those three months if you've happened to miss an episode where we're talking about my San Diego plans. Right now, the cost of living is just stressing me out because I'm currently scaling my business. And with scaling a business, i.e. hiring people and preparing for kind of the next level of the business, which is really exciting. It's also really expensive because you have to essentially hire for where you want to go, not where you're currently at. Because I've pretty much done everything on my own that I can do at this point. And now it's like, okay, how do we take this to the next level and get more information to more people, develop more free content and all that stuff. And that's pricey. Hiring a content assistant, hiring an SEO specialist, things along those lines, it certainly adds up. And then not only that, I've got just like the standard VA and I've also got podcasting team, shout out to my team, Elevate, and just, you know, taxes. (laughs) Taxes are expensive. So with all of the expenses that I have as a new business owner, which are significantly more than what they were when I first started Clobear, it just freaks me out. You know, we finally moved into like paid traffic last year at the very end of the year. And I tell you what, guys, I'm really glad I didn't do ads for the first like year and a half because they're so expensive. I might have freaked out and not actually quit my job. <laughs> like I would have had my full-time job paying for my life. And then everything I was making from Clobear, probably I would have been investing into the business. Now, granted, let me tell you, I don't regret anything. I regret nothing. <laughs> But it is this like transition period that I'm adjusting to. And it's also this like period that is going to have higher expenses, not necessarily higher profit until we're able to kick a few things off the ground. But everything that we're doing, I've had a lot of interviews this week with content assistants. And first, I just have to say everyone who applied for the content assistant role, you guys were truly amazing. It was such a hard decision. I had like a hundred people apply. I was able to narrow it down to like 17 that I definitely wanted to interview. And then I realized, Chloe, you cannot spend 17 hours interviewing people. So I then cut it down to a final eight. And every single one of the people that I interviewed were just stellar candidates. So you guys made my job of finding somebody 
both very easy and very difficult because you were all so amazing. It like broke my heart to pick just one. (laughs) So anyway, with that, we'll be able to really dedicate more resources to creating free content on the blog and really just focusing on providing more education and allowing us to scale. So I'm really excited about that. But like I said, all of those things come with a cost. And because, you know, my plan for the last probably eight months or so has been to move to San Diego, it just kind of freaks me out to go and double, if not triple my living expenses in addition to my Clobert business expenses. So we will see where the road takes us, but I have a feeling I'm probably going to end up getting a house in Tucson, probably rent for the first year and then buy after that. But we'll see what happens. There's this like voice in the back of my head that just really wants a house. And I had to like come to terms with that because I've been such a happy renter for so long. And I really love the flexibility of renting. But the more and more I found myself on Zillow, the more I couldn't ignore the fact that I have been watching houses. I've been looking at the for sale. I've been seeing where my money could take me. So the idea of home ownership still very much freaks me out. Let me make that perfectly clear. (laughs) It scares me, but I think it will just be a new adventure. And I think that as long as I buy well under my income, I think I'll be in a comfortable place. I think the rule of thumb has always been like, oh, if you're buying a house, then you can buy essentially twice, two to three times what your income is. So like two to three times what your total income for the year was. And so for me, it's kind of confusing because like as a business owner, well, last year we brought in $300,000 at Clobear, but that's not like my income. You know, there was almost $100,000 of expenses and there was taxes. So when I look at just my income, it's like, well, do I look at the income of what I pay myself or are we looking more at what does my business bring in or somewhere in between? I think I would feel more comfortable if I was just focusing, like using that two to three times my income based off of like what I pay myself, not what the business is bringing in. So I don't even think I could get And I also wouldn't need it. I don't need a $600,000 to $900,000 house. That doesn't really make sense for me unless I was buying in California. So anyway, it's just confusing. It's kind of this weird transition time. And I'm going to rent a house first to see if I actually can just like scratch that itch by renting a house or if I really am feeling this deep need to nest and like enter into this transition phase in my life. It's funny because like I will tell everybody that I'm like a creature of habit. I really love routines. I really love just like being a homebody. But except for when we had like stay in place orders during the pandemic and lockdown orders during the pandemic, I don't do that. I don't stick to a routine. I don't stay at home. I'm constantly like pushing myself and challenging myself to go on a road trip across the country for eight months and then do it again. And That I think it's because I have two sides of myself. I mean, so many of us have so many different sides of ourselves, right? There's part of me that does want the nesting, the let me just hunker down and buy a piece of property and like start a garden. I don't actually want a garden. That doesn't sound fun. But like somebody else could run a garden for me. I'll pay them. I'm just kidding. But like having the animals, having plants in the house I can handle. But then on the flip side, there's like this like continual need for wonderlust in my heart and like the need for adventure and the need to try new things. And I almost feel like I could get both of those by 
choosing the lower cost of living that allows me to travel wherever the heck I want when I want to, but the lower cost of living allowing me to have that kind of freedom. Whereas if I'm hunkered down in San Diego, paying double the amount of rent that I would be paying in Tucson, or at least close to double the rent I'd be paying in Tucson, plus having like an extra nearly 10% payment in taxes, I'm not sure I would feel as free to do whatever I want. So (laughs) yeah, I bought a book called Where to Live When You Can Live Anywhere. I think it was what it was called by Melody Beattie, I think was her name. I can't remember. I should have looked that up, but I didn't know I was going to talk about this. But I got that. So I'm going to read through that and see if it has any insight to help me decide. But I do think internally, I'm pretty well decided on Tucson. And going to San Diego is kind of like my last hurrah (laughs) to experience it before I'm so rich that I don't care that I'm paying that much in taxes and rent. Someday, right? Someday. So anyway, I'm really looking forward to those three months because it will just give me a lot of insight, I think. Did you guys just hear the cat in the background? (laughs) My mom has a very vocal cat. So that's Misha. I think he was just complaining of something. I don't know. But anyway, let's get to this week's money tip. Now that you've heard me ramble in my existential high class problems to have. But before we do, we have a free investing class coming up this month and you can get to that at lazyinvestingclass.com. And we also have a free money guide. If you have not downloaded our free money guide and you're ready to get your money journey started, be sure to grab that at, what's our new link? We just got a new link. I literally just bought a fancy new link and I'm really excited about, and now I'm forgetting it. Hang on, guys. Hang on. Let me look. Our free money guide is at moneyrightguide.com. Doesn't that sound good? So now instead of me saying the lazyinvestorscourse.com slash guide, I can just direct you to moneyrightguide.com. I mean, that is sexy. Moneyrightguide.com. And then the free investing class is at lazyinvestingclass.com. Oof, sexy. Love it. Okay, so what I want to talk about this week is objections to investing. Now, one of the things we all have to deal with when we are getting started with investing or we're preparing and we know we like we got to do it is we got to get over our own internal objections. So I wanted to talk about some of the most common objections that I have seen, specifically six of them. And yes, there is still a cat in the background who is meowing. I don't know what he's doing, but... What a great time to record a podcast, right? I can't wait to live alone again. But anyway, so the biggest objection that I've seen when it comes to investing is this idea that investing is too risky. And what I like to counter that with is that keeping our money and hoarding our money in a savings account or under our mattress or in the walls is also really not investing, really risky, especially when we're looking at the rate of inflation. Inflation eats away at the value of our money if it's sitting in a savings account, even if it's sitting in a high yield savings account. Unfortunately, high yield savings accounts definitely help with the rate of inflation in the way that it's impacting our spending power. But 
ultimately, if inflation is five to six, seven percent like it has been in the last couple of years, which not to alarm you, it's not usually that high. Usually we hover somewhere between two and three percent. Then every year, that's a guaranteed loss on your money. And to me, with that guaranteed loss, that's more risky than investing. And if you think about it this way, at a 2% average annual inflation, $100 will have the buying power of $67 in 20 years. And that's not insignificant, right? I mean, when you're thinking about it, most of us are investing for retirement for 20 to 30 years. So imagine that that getting halved even further or reduced even further the longer we're looking at in terms of a time frame. Now, the next biggest objection that I see when it comes to investing is that folks say that they don't have enough money to invest. And my argument to that is every bit helps. And these days, you can start with as little as a dollar. Back in the day, there used to be minimums for every brokerage out there. You had to have a minimum of $3,000 or more to invest. And that's just not the case anymore. So yes, Vanguard still has minimums for their mutual funds, including their index mutual funds, but they have ETFs that you can purchase with as little as a dollar. Fidelity has no minimums on their ETFs or their mutual funds. And a lot of brokerages out there have gotten rid of those minimums so that you can start investing with what you got. You don't have to wait until you have $100 a month or $200 a month or $300 a month. You can start with what you have. And I like, I always like giving math examples, but think about it this way. Even $50 a month invested for 35 years could turn into over $100,000 at an 8% average annual return, even though you only put in $21,000. I mean, $80,000 that you're getting for doing absolutely nothing is not a bad deal. You're just putting that $50 away every single month into your investments. Now, if you're able to bump that up to even $150 a month, then you're looking at with the same time frame of 35 years and an 8% average annual return, you're looking at having closer to $310,000 a month. Now, I know some of you are thinking, well, that's still not enough to like retire. No, it's not enough to retire completely, but it would be a nice nest egg. It would be a nice like FU fund. It'd be a nice oh shit fund rather than having no money invested whatsoever. So I still think it's worth it in these scenarios. I think that it's worth it because of the fact that you're going to need money in the future no matter what. And a little bit is still better than no bit. Now, the third most common objection that I get when folks are trying to learn how to invest and they're thinking about it, but they're not doing it yet, is that people think that they cannot invest if they have debt. But you do not need to be debt-free to invest. In fact, waiting until you're debt-free to invest could have some serious consequences. Now, I get it. Out there, there's this pervasive message that in order to be able to invest, you have to be totally debt-free, which is just a bullshit bullshit blanket statement. Everybody's financial situation is different. And whether you should invest or whether you should pay off debt, it's usually not as black and white as we would like it to be. Sometimes you need to do a little bit of both. And I would argue that most of the time you need to be doing a little bit of both. When I paid off about $40,000 of debt in two years, which I do regret paying it off early because of how low the interest rates were, 
I never completely stopped investing. I was still getting my employer match. And I think I was doing even a little bit more than my employer match. And I'm really glad that I didn't stop investing in those years. I certainly wouldn't have seen the growth of my net worth to the extent that I've seen in these last couple of years, had I just been like, no, I'm just going to invest. You can do a little bit of both. And when you're using something like your 401k, not only are you helping your future by investing, but you're also reducing your taxable income by putting that money into a 401k. So a lot of times you don't even notice that it's like gone. You don't even notice that it's not there. Now, the fourth reason that I hear a lot of people saying that they aren't investing yet, or this is the reason they're not investing is because they're worried that now is not a good time to be investing because stocks are down. Now, I want to counter that argument with a scenario. I want you to think that you, if you have a list of things that you need to buy at Sephora and stuff you were going to buy anyway, and suddenly Sephora had a 30% off store-wide sale, would you say, "Mm, I'll wait until prices go back up? Like once they go back up, then I'll buy. No, you wouldn't. So why do we do that with the stock market? We got to get in there and get a discount. And that's why I'm such a huge fan of dollar cost averaging. So dollar cost averaging, essentially all that is, is that you're consistently putting money into the stock market. So whether that's every month, whether that's every week, whether that's every quarter, usually when we're talking about dollar cost averaging, though, we are talking about every single month. Because the whole point is if you stay consistent, you're buying when the market's high, you're buying when the market's low, you're buying when the market's anything in between. And when you're buying when things are high and you're buying when things are really low, the average buy-in price that you're getting in at is going to be somewhere in the middle. So you're not having to necessarily time the market or worry about it. You're just kind of coasting and you're continuing to put money in the market. It's one of the most effective ways to make sure that you are not only consistently investing and sticking to the plan, but you're getting a good quote unquote good price for the investments that you are purchasing. So I personally last year with the down market, I invested more than I ever had before. And I'm really hoping to do the same this year. Although like I'm trying not to put as much pressure on myself, but it's because I knew that the power of getting money in, getting 60 grand into the market more than I had ever done before was going to be huge over the long term. So get in there, get your 30% off and like just stick to your plan. Now, the fifth reason that a lot of folks do not start investing is because they are afraid they'll lose money. But what I have seen in both with my students and my one-on-one clients and in workshops and on Instagram and TikTok, all the places, is that the folks who are the most afraid are the folks who still have a lot of education to do on the stock market. They still have a lot to learn and they don't necessarily fully understand how the stock market works or the options that are available to them. And the thing is that we lose money every day on things we randomly purchase. And this is something I don't think we think about. We think, oh, if I buy into the stock market and I quote, lose money, well, I didn't get anything for it. I just lost money. I just lit my money on fire. First of all, that's not true. You don't lose the money until you sell. So when the stock market's down, what do we not want to do? We don't want to sell. But when we're buying random things every day, we do not consider it losing money because we got a thing for it, right? But when was the last time that you looked at your account and you thought, 
where did all my money go? Why don't I have anything left over at the end of this month? What is happening? Where's my money go? Am I setting it on fire? If you find yourself asking that, you've got to tell yourself, you've got to realize that you are losing money by these like unmindful purchases. But we're not thinking about that with the stock market. When we're thinking about putting our money in the stock market, we think we're not buying anything. But what you're buying is your time in the future. What you're buying is a more financially secure future. What you're buying is hope that you can retire someday. What you're buying is future wealth. So it may not feel like you're buying anything, that you're not getting anything in return, but what you're getting in return is this delayed gratification rather than this instant gratification that by the end of the month, you've forgotten about this thing or that. I mean, that's happened to me a bajillion times. I'm not judging, but I'm trying to help repaint the perspective that we're always spending money on things that we would call a waste or we didn't necessarily need, or we just got in the moment and we were like, you know what, this would be fun. Why not? Some of those things were worth it. Some of those things might've been better off invested in the stock market. So it's just one of those things that we got to rethink. We are buying something. We are paying for our spot in the future. So that's kind of the mindset shift I like around that. But the sixth and final reason that I find that folks are not investing the most of the time, most of the time, is that they have no idea what to invest in. And I get it. That was me as well. But I will say that didn't stop me from investing because I had a 401k before I ever started like actively investing, i.e. opening my own accounts besides my 401k, maxing out my 401k, all of those things. I just knew I was supposed to do it. So I increased my 401k contributions as much as I could, had no idea what I had picked in my investment accounts, and I just kept going with it. And the thing is, that's powerful because by the time I ever looked at my 401k in the future when I had no idea what I was doing, but I was like, oh, let me see what's in this. I think I had around $20,000. And that was $20,000 I had by blindly investing when I had no idea what I wanted to invest in. So I would argue that not knowing what to invest in is no longer an excuse. We have a 401k. We have target date funds. We have robo-advisors. We have things that will do all the footwork for you without you having to risk paying loads and loads of fees to a financial advisor who may or may not have your best interests in mind. And I've got tons of resources on how to do that, how to start investing, how to pick your own investments, or how to pick something that will allow you to do it lazily. I believe I even have step-by-step videos on my YouTube page, but those are linked in my free guide. What's the guide name again? The guide name is moneyrightguide.com. Grab that at moneyrightguide.com guide.com. So those are some of my big tips and or objections, I guess, addressing objections. And again, not knowing what to invest in. What I always say is do something when you don't know what to invest in, use something like a target date fund, your 401k, robo advisors, whatever to get you started. That way you're started And then you've just bought yourself time to learn how you actually want to be investing. So that's kind of my two cents, guys. So anyway, as of posting this, 
I've got my free class tomorrow. So when you're listening to this, we'll have another one at the end of the month. But I hope to see some of your beautiful faces there. It'll be a good webinar tomorrow night. And for the first time ever, we're actually having a webinar during a lunch hour. So I'll be excited to steal some time from you guys during the lunch hour. And I hope you guys enjoy it. But if you want to join our next free investing, you can grab that at lazyinvestingclass.com. We've got links to all that down in the show notes. But that's all I've got for you guys today. So thanks for stopping by. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Money Bear Podcast. If you've made it this far, do us a favor, take two seconds, rate, review, and subscribe. It seriously means the world to me. And if you just take a sec to do that, I will appreciate you endlessly. And if you do, let me know on Instagram and I'll thank you personally. So got that. And of course, since we were talking about anything financial on this show, please note that nothing on this show is intended as financial advice. I don't know you, unfortunately. And because of that, I cannot tell you what to do with your money. You got to work with a financial professional who knows your situation, who is preferably a fiduciary. And keep in mind that everything that we talk about on this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It's all my opinion. So there's that. If you want to see our full terms and conditions, head on over to the show notes. And while you're there, we've got free resources for you to get started on your money journey down in the show notes as well, including a free guide to help you with your budgeting templates and budgeting tutorials and investing 101, understanding the different accounts that are out there. All that good stuff is inside of my free guide, which is also available at thelazyinvestorscourse.com slash guide. And if you're ready to take our relationship to the next level, I am also hosting a monthly investing class. And that investing class, you can find the times we're offering it this month at thelazyinvestorscourse.com slash webinar. That link is in the show notes as well. And that's where you have the chance to meet me live and ask those money questions live. It's a good time. We've had over 20,000 people as of recording this join or register. And yeah, it's always nice to meet you guys. So I hope to see you there again. All that is available down in the show notes. So thank you again for coming and listening. I appreciate you and I'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.